Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. So, sitting down with Dr. Stevie Don, the owner and founder of Orange Compass training program company and uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire who works with human resource departments across the country and does training and kind of has a beat on those sorts of things. So thanks for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about what you're doing, kind of what you're up to with you know, all of your training and stuff, you're a little bit more about your background, and then we can kind of dive into some of the things we want to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see right now what we have going on. Any given month, so different. Um, we're doing a lot of training right now in cultural sensitivity and communication in organizations, which is really interesting. Um, everything from gender to generational to ethnicity and different kinds of issues people are having in the workplace with dealing with such diversity. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, That's been a hot topic lately. Um, The other one is we do a ton of leadership development programs, whether it be brand new managers looking for leadership skills all the way up to C-level executives needing to communicate vision and mission and uh, also how to have a personal brand as a leader. I think that's super important and that's something that we've been doing a lot of lately. So um, my background is in training. I've been a trainer for way too many years than I want to count or say live to the world. Um, So let's just say (laughs) I have got some years of experience and You know, I have a master's degree in sociology, so that's where all the diversity and the interesting dynamics of groups comes into play. And then I have a PhD in leadership development, where I studied emotional intelligence in leaders. So kind of how to have better conversations, how to think about how our emotions impact us, and how we lead people. So it's been kind of an interesting background to bring into corporate America, kind of start talking about these little things we do every day that have huge impact on the people around us because leadership is all about impact. So that's really what we focus on. Yeah. Wow. All right. So the the credentials are strong for sure. So Stevie, I know that you work with, well, like I talked about originally, you work with a lot of human resources departments, uh, individuals, and uh, whether that's in governments or in nonprofits or in corporations. So I know that you've got a good a good beat on kind of what's being talked about right now in those circles and in those departments. And, you know, for our listeners, uh, they really want to know kind of what's being talked about. Are their problems the only problems? So uh, what are you seeing as you're interacting with people across the spectrum, across the country? What are some of the topics that are coming up around issues in the human resource department and area? Yeah, um, three immediately come to mind. Um, First one would be talent acquisition. Seems to be the buzzword of the day, or the moment, I guess. And I think it's because companies are realizing that it's not 
just about going out and hiring somebody nowadays. There's lots of people to hire. It's about hiring people with the skills that they need and not the skills they need for today, but the skills they need for three years from now because technology is moving so fast that our employees have to move with it. And that's harder to find. And I think whole companies are now dedicating a section of HR just to talent acquisition which used to be called recruitment, but talent acquisition sounds better, so that's what we're calling it now. Um, I always thought talent and thought like dance and musical and things like that, but that's not what it means. It really just means talent in the workplace, and it really means skill development, right? So being able to identify those people that are gonna have the skills you need moving forward, also identifying those people who are a good cultural fit which I think is something 20 years ago we weren't doing. We weren't really caring about cultural fit, we were caring about you just wanting the job. If you wanted the job, you got the job and that was it. And now we're really trying to look at cultivating a culture in our organizations and making sure that when we hire people, they fit the culture as much as they fit the skill set. And that's hard to find. And that means you need dedicated individuals in the talent field to go out and find those people so that when you're interviewing three candidates, you're interviewing three candidates that have everything on your list and not just, well, they're skilled, but they're a pain in the butt and nobody wants to work with them, or they're wonderful to work with, but they do not have any of the skills we need. At this point, companies can't afford to make those mistakes anymore. And so they have to hire the right people at the right time. And that means having people who are specialists in that talent field. And so I think you're seeing a lot of HR people start to kind of divide into regular strategic tactical HR and then talent acquisition. Because it's a different, if it's a different mode, you have to be able to read people differently and look at different assessment tools and things like that in the talent field. And so I think that's one of the biggest hot button issues right now is just finding good talent. Yeah, I've, uh, in all my conversations with people at larger organizations, Fortune 500 uh, human resource departments, what I've seen and heard from them over and over again is they can't find the right people with the right talent, especially in skilled positions. So you think about companies that are actually engineering and making a product that uh, you know are sold and bought in large quantities, uh, products that are being sold for millions of dollars. You have the engineers, which they, they struggle to find engineers. And then it's a whole other thing to find the right guy that knows how the airplane comes together in a real practical, hands-on, nuts and bolts kind of sense. And you're finding more and more they're struggling to fill those needs. And so, yeah, for, for so many of the people that I've talked with, just to echo what you're saying, they're all struggling with that. It seems like a never-ending cycle of just difficulty getting the right people. And we have a talent shortage that we're not talking about right now. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see that actually become a squeeze for a lot of businesses. Right. And I think what you're... What you're then finding is companies won't, will just leave positions unfilled. Something to just consider and wrap your mind around today is people are going straight from high school to college to advanced degrees and never having a job. Let me say that again. They are never having a job. They come out of college with zero work experience. 
Now, 20 years ago, people were going to work at 14 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old. They were doing retail, they were doing food service, they were doing something. The largest percentage of people now coming out of college have never had a job. So now we have talent, we have, they have skill in the sense of they know how to fix that airplane, but they've never put it to use. They've never actually done it. And so when you're on the HR side and you're looking to hire, they're people with zero experience. Are you going to hire them to fix your airplane? I don't know. I don't know that I would want to be on an airplane fixed by somebody who's never fixed an airplane before. I'm just putting that out there. Um, so that's an ongoing issue, right? It's so there's talent and there's a shortage of talent. But then there are these millennials coming through the ranks that have the skill set as far as they got the knowledge, they've gone to college, we're making college something more and more people can do, which is awesome. So more and more people are having college education and they're having those skill sets, but they're not getting any work experience along the way, which ding, 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 then falls to HR because once they're hired, who has to train them? The HR department is now having to do more on the job training than they've ever had to do before, especially in things like soft skills and how to be a good employee. Because if they've never had a job, they've never learned that skill, right? And so I work with so many HR people on this idea of the basics we need to teach people now in the workplace are so much more basic than they were 20 years ago because they're not coming to us with that skill set because they're not coming to us with work experience. Yeah, and I, okay, so that's, Fascinating, number one. Number two, I hear, again, because of the circles that I run into, I hear these stories from people high up in, in HR departments at, at some of the biggest companies in our country and in the world. And one of the stories I heard recently, actually, was of a new hire, uh, first entry-level uh, guy, and he has a meet and greet with a number of other people with the CEO of this huge corporation. I mean, massive. And he gets to shake the CEO's hand and he says, dude, I'm so thankful that I get to work for your company, man. I just love working here, bro. Literally, that, that was the quote <laughs> that was said. And Meanwhile, the, the HR rep who's standing in earshot just goes completely wide, is having a minor meltdown. Ha you know, and it's one of those things, one of those things where they're having to literally train people how to have a conversation with a superior. Uh, email, I know, is a huge one. I mean, it's just massive. Because we live in a texting society and, emo I mean, emojis, having to tell employees, hey, emojis in a professional email, not not entirely acceptable. Uh, and so there's all these things that are happening now that just weren't a thing. You know, even in conversations around, you know, what is appropriate for you to discuss on your social media channel about your job. And so there have been a number of people I've talked to that they've had to release, fire, terminate employees that were good staff members because they talked despairingly about somebody that they worked with. And it was just like, hey, this is a this is a non-starter. And the fact that you don't know that is a problem. So yeah, I think that there's this, this interesting dynamic happening right now to your point, Stevie, about how do you take someone who's never had a job before they get out of college? I mean, when was your first job? 
I I had my first job at eight years old, but they couldn't pay me because I was eight years old. So they had to pay my dad. But I totally <laughs> did the work, and I was a dance teacher at eight years old. But they Whoa. paid my dad the check. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I had work experience at eight years old. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. See, my my first job, I was I was ten. I started my own lawn mowing business. There you go, entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, come on. You got you gotta you gotta get out there and do it. And then. Yeah, I mean, all through you know, like junior high, high school, I always had a job. Like I always had a job. But it's yeah, it's fascinating now that that's not the norm. It's not the norm. And so think of all those things you learn at that first job, right? How to respect authority, how to show up on time, how to fill out a time card, how to track um, even expenses, keep receipts, even the most basic little things that you learn in that first job. If you now have somebody coming to you who's 22, 23 years old, starting at your company, and they've never had any of those experiences. Now we can hope that they're just gonna walk in and get it day one. And some of your people are totally gonna be that people. And that's gonna be great, right? But a lot of people are going to come in and they're not going to know those basic things. They're not going to think about their social media and how it impacts their work because it never has before. They use social media to vent about their teachers. They use Rate My Prof to vent about their professors. That's what they know. So you can't expect them to all of a sudden flip a switch that day that they show up for work for you and all of a sudden all that learning goes out the window. No, they've got 20 something years of that. So you have to make sure as a company now, HR has to start thinking about how do I train them day one? How, how do I get them into those basic ideas? And so often I talk with managers who tell me, well, it's common sense, I shouldn't have to say it. And I said, when was the last time common sense was common? <laughs> so, you know, right. we have yeah. to train it. Yeah. And so it, it falls to, I think, a lot of HR departments and to your story, right? The HR department is also blamed when that person doesn't make a great first impression on the CEO of the company as, hey, who are you hiring, right? Which comes all the way back down to that talent acquisition piece and if they're not hiring the right people. And then, I mean, it's just a vicious cycle. It keeps playing on itself. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think, I think millennials in the workplace, and I love millennials and millennials are amazing workers, but we've got to start thinking about the skill gap and how are we training them specifically in soft skills and communication that they haven't gotten other ways the way we yeah. maybe did. I mean, I look at my 11-year-old niece and at the dinner table she plays on a tablet or on her phone. When she's sitting in front of the TV, she's not watching TV, she's playing on something on her phone. She doesn't know how to have a great conversation yet, even though we ask her to, right? So if she's not given that opportunity to learn how to have good conversations, how's she gonna network when she's in her 20s if she's never been taught it? I mean, we're all taught those skill sets somewhere. And so if, she's not, if they're not getting it at home and they're not getting it in college, where they're getting it is their first job. So if that's you, it's kind of like you take on that responsibility. And with great responsibility comes great power to impact the next generation of workers, which then brings me, I'm really good at segues, then brings me my third. I said there were three hot topic issues, right? The third thing is succession planning, which is the impact you have on these younger people coming into the workplace. What we're seeing is a lot of 
the top level executives at companies are graduating and moving on to another form of their life. And therefore, there's openings at the top, but we don't have a lot of people trained within to handle those kinds of positions. We've trained them to do very specific jobs. We've not trained them to have strategic vision. We've not trained them in critical thinking. And so can they really manage a huge organization if they've only ever managed their one department of 10 people? And so we've got to start thinking as organizations, we've got to start thinking about succession planning. And that's something that we've done a lot of in the last year. So I think um, as we partner with HR clients, it, HR people are thinking about it. You're thinking about how do I make sure that I've got a person to fill that director of marketing position? How do I make sure I have a person to fill that CEO position? Because if I want to fill it with a 27-year-old, that's awesome. But do they have the skills they need? If I want to fill it with a 47-year-old, do they have the skills we need, right? So looking at every level of your organization and thinking about what's their next step and do they have what they need to get there? Because I can tell you a lot of the, the clients I work with, that's what they bring us in to help with is identifying what they need because they're too busy wrapped up in the day-to-day -day work to really look at the big picture and say, where are we headed and what do we need to get us there? So succession planning, I think, is another hot topic right now that a lot of people are thinking about because we're in that generational gap where we're going to have a lot of retirement without a lot of people internally to replace them. So we're going to have to work on that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that's, uh, again, yeah, just to, to echo you on that, that's something that I hear all the time as well is that there's this level of we get, we can uh, take someone that is dedicated to this to their field they're dedicated to the craft and they can get to a certain point and then there's a massive gap between middle management mm -hmm. and the c-suite or even executive level uh, management and it's almost these intangibles that they don't know how to cultivate because it's such an upper echelon kind of thing i think about my uh, my my father and then my father-in-law are both military guys. My father-in-law happens to be uh, a two-star admiral, right? And so as you get further up the chain, there are fewer and fewer people. And I think about all the men and women that he went through officer training with and how few of them are still in the service, let alone if they're in, how few of them have made it to where he's currently sitting. And more than likely, he's going to pin on a third star. <laughs> and so there's this level of now he's at the top. Well, then how do you train other people up to get to that place mm -hmm. where they can be successful and adequate and great leaders? And that's it, it takes a tremendous amount of skill and patience and time. And, yeah, I mean, he's been doing this for 35 years now. Mm-hmm and has taken his knocks and there have been some strategic placements for him in some stations just to go get experience for six months, a year, and then they pulled him back into you know another track. But I think that there's this thing where we, uh, to your point, we're so focused, we, we can become so focused on talent acquisition mm -hmm. because we just need people, we just need people, we just need people. Oh, and then we've got a new generation that has these things that need to be trained up in them mm -hmm. 
Oh, and also. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then, and then how do you go from there? And I think, you know, something in your story that struck out to me is just the intentionality of it. There was an intentional choice to put him in a place to get experience so he could then move up to that next level. And I think that's really what we're talking about is we've got to start being super intentional, not just with who we bring in and with how we train them at the beginning, but how we train them throughout their career. Are we giving them the experiences they need to hold that C-suite office? Because typically we're not. We're never giving them the opportunity. Um, I worked at a large organization where there were seven of us at the coordinator level, and then there was one director, and then there were there was one VP, right, above that, and then there was one president. That was it, right? So we had all of us at the coordinator position going, hey, I want that director position, but there's only one, right? And the person who gets it is gonna be the person who has the experiences most aligned with that position, which none of us were really given the opportunity to have unless we left the organization went somewhere else. And so what you have happening is, in this particular organization, this truly did just happen. I just found out like two weeks ago. So we all coordinators were at the director position. So two coordinators left the organization, went somewhere else. One of them now got hired in the director position to come back because now they have the experience they need. And oh, by the way, the director we used to have left to go get experience to get rehired as the vice president position. So because they needed the experience and within the organization, nobody was giving it to them. So they literally had to leave the organization to get the experience to come back to the organization at a higher position. Now if you think about that, that's crazy. We lost good people for years because we didn't have a way to give them experiences in their current wow. place. Right? Now, it also says a lot about the organization that all these people are coming back because it's a great place to work, which is super cool. But at the same time, there was a lot of turnover and stuff as those people were leaving. They were great people. There was lots of turnover below them. So now where's that next level coming from? I don't know because they don't have the level that gets the experience to fit the next level. We have to be intentional about it. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> it has to be an intentional thing. And I think that's something that organizations really need to start talking about how do we do succession planning in an intentional way from talent acquisition all the way through onboarding, all the way through development, all the way to the C-level. How do we get them there? And if you're not charting that out and talking about the experiences they need to have, you're going to lose really good people. Because there's one thing that, that I can say about millennials that I think makes them a super, super special group. And that is they are dedicated to the cause. They are dedicated to a cause more than a lot of generations have been in terms of work. And if you can hire somebody who's young and dedicated to your company and you give them the skills they need to stay, they will stay with you forever. And they will be CEO of that company someday. And that's an amazing thing to have, but we've got to give them what they need to keep them dedicated. And if we're not willing to do that, then we're going to lose good talent along the way. That's awesome. That's great. All right, so what I'd like to do, Stevie, is I'd, I'd really love to just throw you our rapid-fire questions. It's 
It's just quick, short answers. There's just a handful of them. Okay. And and it's just really whatever's going on. So, first question is, what's the best advice you've ever received? For me personally? Yeah. Whether that's um, in your career or your business or, or whatever. Always have a coach. Always have a mentor. Always have somebody you can go to who has been there, done that, that you can ask advice of. Always, always, always. Have somebody you can, you can turn to. You're going to need it along the way. That's awesome. That's good. What's the best book you've read recently? Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilmer. Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes, Elizabeth Gilbert. Big Magic. Um, it was great. Totally changed the way I think about creativity. Um, I'm, I'm a creative person, naturally, but I really like to be inspired on a regular basis. Uh, and sometimes I find the everyday life a little boring. So uh, sh her book just really opened my eyes to thinking about creativity in a whole different level. And like I even talk about it differently now. It's, it was really impactful. So I read that recently. It was awesome. I want to talk about my, you know, slutty romantic trash that I read. That, that was the best book book <laughs> to, to read. No, I, I actually I've read Big Magic too and I Did you love, love it? Love it. Well Liz oh Gilbert's God. amazing. She is. So yeah, oh yeah it's a great book. It's Loved a great it. book. Yep. Uh, Alright, so what are you spending too much time doing right now in your business? Too much time. I I am spending way too much time on meetings that don't matter. <laughs> Meetings that don't matter. That's my big thing right now. I, I spend a lot of time meeting with people that could totally be a phone call or could totally be an email, but for some reason we decide we want to drive across town and see each other. And while I love seeing people and I'm a big believer in communication, face-to-face, -face, all that stuff, I spend way too much time in meetings that don't matter and that don't go anywhere. And I think we all probably do that and we all need to be a little bit more... Your meetings need to have a purpose. If they don't have a purpose, don't worry about it. Don't drive out of your way. It's okay to say no. That's another one. <laughs> I spend way too much time saying yes. Not nearly enough time saying no. Uh, that's great. What do you need to spend more time doing in your business? Well, saying no. I just said that, though. Um, <laughs> I need to spend more time. For me personally, I need to spend a lot more time making sure I'm delighting my current clients. Mm so that they don't fall through the cracks. I think it's easy as a, as a business that's growing when you're going through a growth phase. I think it's super easy to think about all the growth, right? New clients, new projects, new activities. But what about this client that's been with me for three years? And am I really giving them 100% effort, 110% delight every day, right? And so I need to spend more time on my current and not forget that they are what got me here. And I think always about that old mantra of your next dollar, the easiest way to get it is from people who've already paid you money, right? So if I delight them, I'm more likely to get more dollars than worrying about my newest acquisition in that way. So I need to spend more time with my current clients, making sure I delight them. I love that, I love that. All right, last question. What are you most excited about in the coming months in your business? Oh, in my business. I was going to say vacation, but okay. Um, <laughs> in my business, what am I most excited about? Um, oh, big one, big one. Um, we have a big workshop coming up. It's next week, but I'm super excited about it. Um, 
we're doing targeted workshops where we're very specific about who we invite. We're making the language very dedicated towards a specific group. So for example, our workshop next week is for nonprofit managers. And so it's a very specific group of people, a very select group that we invited. And it allows me as a trainer to really get nitty gritty specific on my advice. So I'm not talking to just a large group of people who work in nonprofits. I'm talking to people who manage in nonprofits. And so I can really tailor my language. And we're doing three or four of those in the next couple of months where we've really been specific about it. And I really am enjoying that. I'm enjoying writing the content for it because I get to be a little more specific than my normal kind of keynote all over the place thing that I do. Um, and that's really exciting to me. And I'm excited because we have a lot of people registered. So maybe it's actually working, which is super cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Stevie, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by. Uh, thanks so much. And you've given us some really great insights into just what's being talked about around the country and your unique perspective on that, knowing multiple people in multiple places. So I want to thank you again for taking the time to stop by and talk with us. Always a pleasure. Happy, happy to do it.